In case you missed it at the beginning of the service, I am Pastor Bill, and this morning I launch us into a new sermon series called New Beginnings. Marla and I have been, we're out of Boston for most of the last six weeks. I officiated three weddings, and then we visited all of our children and all of our grandchildren. This, for like for many, this was the longest time Marla and I have ever had when we have not seen our children. And so it was marvelous to just play with our grandchildren and spend time with our kids. But as we are beginning a new sermon series called New Beginnings, I really want to congratulate the couples um, whose weddings I performed over the last few months. Each couple's given me permission to show a picture of them and their wedding. So first, congratulations to Katia Jew and Brent Esch, married May 14th in Pennsylvania. And congratulations to Sabin and Heyoon Park, married May 30th in New Jersey. And congratulations to Josh and Yewan Chang, married June 4th in Ohio. Our prayers are with each of you couples as you start the new beginning of your Christian marriages. It was amazing to be with the three couples and with our children and grandchildren, but it's also good to be back home with you, our church family. It really has, and I know that this has been said time and time again and oversaid, but it really has been an unprecedented 15 months in our lives. When COVID-19 cases spiked in Massachusetts in March 2020, our life as we knew it was completely turned upside down for our schools, for our work, for our families, for our neighborhoods, and for our church. And now many of us are trying to figure out what it means that Massachusetts is reopening. What will that mean for our school and our work and our family and our marriages? And what will that mean for our church? Without quite realizing it, and maybe a little bit before we were ready, a new post-COVID beginning is upon us. And today I'd like to look at John chapter 1 with you to see what we can find in John 1 that will strengthen us and encourage us in the new beginning that is emerging for us in the post-COVID era. I landed in John chapter 1 about six weeks ago when I was feeling personally kind of adrift and feeling a bit lost. And somehow I ended up in John chapter 1 and I just rested in the glorious truths that we find there. So we will read John 1, 1 through 18, and then we'll explore what it can say to us in our new beginning. We'll explore what we have to celebrate, what we have to lament, and what we have to do. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who was at the Father's side, he has made him known. What majestic words and soul-shaping truths for the human race. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. What majestic and soul-stirring words for the human race. One commentary says this, is there any way that one can plumb the depths of John's prologue to his gospel? Such intense power in so few words. We can readily understand why both Augustine and Chrysostom are reported as saying, it is beyond the power of man to speak as John does in his prologue. So when we read the words in the beginning, twice in John 1, verses 1 and 2, we, along with the Apostle John's original audience, are directly transported back to Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But John's beginning actually precedes Genesis 1.1. Because John's in the beginning is talking about eternity forever, the way that it was that the Word was with the Father and the Word was God. And that predates the creation of the universe in Genesis chapter 1. If you grew up in Christianity, 
you're probably used to this idea of the word became flesh, which in John 1.17, just a little further down, makes it explicit that the word is Jesus. And so if you grew up in Christianity, you may be very familiar with that truth, but we should not miss its utter significance for our lives and its significance for this new beginning that is upon us post-COVID. So as we contemplate the new post-COVID beginning emerging before us this summer, what can we see from John 1 that we have to celebrate? Number one, we celebrate that because Jesus has always been with God, through Jesus, we know God, the creator of the universe, as our loving and caring Heavenly Father. It's there in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the only God, referring to Jesus, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Reflect on that for a moment. What it means to actually know the creator of the universe as your personal, loving, caring, and engaged Heavenly Father. Think about that. Poof. We actually, because of Jesus, know the creator of the universe. We know his heart. We know his love. We know his truth. We know his holiness because Jesus has made him known. So first, we celebrate that through Jesus, we know the Father. Number two, we celebrate because through Jesus, everything in the universe was created, which means that Jesus is Lord and sovereign over everything in the universe. As we begin this new beginning, we begin it with the authority, with the wisdom, with the grace and truth of Jesus overall. Whatever is your school situation or your work situation, or your romantic life, or your friendship life, whatever is going on in your family and in your marriage. Jesus, through whom all things were created, is sovereign. Jesus is Lord over all, which means that he's Lord over our new beginning. He's Lord over our fears and our, and our anxieties. He is Lord over our hopes. Number three, we celebrate because as verse four says, in him, in Jesus is life and his life is the light of men. The darkness of the last 15 months of death from COVID, in the darkness of death at the hands of police, in the darkness of death as a result of hate crimes, in the darkness so many of us have felt about the church and so-called Christian nationalism, and in the personal darkness of not knowing how to make decisions for our own lives. Brothers and sisters, we celebrate because we have the light of Jesus. Jesus's life gives us the light that we need to walk in every darkness. Even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because Jesus, our good shepherd, is with us and he will give us the light that we need 
for this new beginning. Number four, we celebrate because as verse five says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In this new beginning before us, we will not need to just survive. We can thrive because we know that no darkness can overcome the light that we have in Jesus. No darkness can overcome us when we share the life of Jesus and have his light in our lives. And then number five, there's so much in these verses to celebrate, so I just had to limit myself to five. But number five, we celebrate as it, because in verse 12 it says, to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We celebrate because we are the children of God. If perhaps you have not yet confessed your sins and believed in Jesus and asked him to be the leader of your life, there's no better time than the present time to do that. While I'm talking here, you can ignore what I say and you can talk to Jesus. And you can simply say something like, Jesus, I am ready to believe. I'm ready to receive you in my life. I confess my failures and I ask for your forgiveness and I ask you to lead my life. In Jesus' name, amen. It is no more complicated than that to believe in the name of Jesus and then be given the right to become a child of God. If you've already confessed your sins and have already asked Jesus to be the leader of your life, remember, as we begin this new beginning, we are truly children of God. Our Heavenly Father loves us and cares for us as his very dear children. And we read it at the beginning of the, the service for our call to worship, but hear the words again from Psalm 121. As a child of God, hear these words. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time and forevermore. As a child of God, you live under the protection of your heavenly Father. The pandemic and the systemic injustices of the last 15 months have affected us deeply, but they do not limit us or define us. What defines us first as we begin this new beginning is that we are the children of God. We are under his care and we are on his mission. So what do we have to celebrate from John 1 for our new post-COVID beginning? We celebrate because Jesus has made God known to us. We celebrate because Jesus is sovereign over all creation. We celebrate because Jesus' life gives us light. We celebrate because the darkness cannot overcome the light. And we celebrate because we are the children of God with all of the rights and protections as well as the mission of God's children in this world. 
So that's what we have to celebrate. What do we have to lament? What can we see in John chapter 1 to lament? Verse 9 says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. But verses 10 and 11 go on to say that he, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. We see two laments in these verses that may very well be the root of every other lament the human race has ever experienced. One, Jesus was in the world, and even though the world was made through him, the world would not recognize him. And the second lament, Jesus came to his very own people, and his own people did not receive him. What a cosmic tragedy. What a catastrophic fail. After the rebellion of the human race, the Trinity made a way for the human race to be restored to friendship and fellowship with the Godhead. But so few opt to receive Jesus. Think of the untold pain and suffering and brokenness and systemic injustice and hatred and evil that comes from rejecting the one who made us and who came to redeem, to redeem us and lead us to live good lives. The good news of the Christian faith is that in spite of our rebellion and insistence on living on our own terms, God, rather than God's terms, in spite of our rebellion, through Jesus, God invites us to redemption and restoration. That is the great good news of the Christian faith. The great lament of all laments is that so much of the human race insists on rebellion and self-sufficiency apart from the author of life. But it's not just the human race in general that worries me here. We're told that Jesus' very own people refused to receive him. Brothers and sisters, that includes us. Through the pandemic, how have we refused to receive Jesus? I'd like to pause for just a few moments to allow us to reflect on how we, Jesus' very own people, have neglected him so that we can lament and confess and choose to walk differently in this new beginning. So I'm going to be quiet, um, and there are some questions that are going to come up on the screen. And I'll be quiet for just two minutes so that we can respond to these questions. How have I not received or recognized Jesus in the last 15 months? How have I not received Jesus in my life during the pandemic? How have I neglected and maybe even rejected Jesus? How have I refused to bring Jesus into systems or issues of injustice in our culture? And how have I been self-sufficient 
and not dependent on Jesus in my life? Take the next two moments and answer some of those questions so that in just a moment later, we can spend some time in lament. And now, in the continuing quiet, would you confess and lament how you have not received Jesus so that we can start this new beginning on level ground? So another moment, and I'll let you confess. And if you are willing, let Jesus know your desire to recognize him more and receive him more into your life as we go forward into this new beginning. I'll just pause for another minute or minute and a half. Father in heaven, you are so gracious towards us. Even when we are not faithful, you are faithful. And you show us your new mercies every morning. Thank you that you have not neglected us over these months when maybe we felt lost, disconnected from each other and disconnected from you. 
but there's not a breath that we've taken, there's not a step that we've taken, that you have not been there with us. So we confess where we have been distant, where we have been distracted, where we have depended on everything else before we depended on you. And would you help us as we enter this new beginning Help us to renew our commitment to receive Jesus in every part of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And finally today, as we contemplate this new beginning before us, what can we see from John 1 that we have to do? What do we have to do? In John chapter 1, verses 14 through 17, I see two suggestions that will position us for this new beginning as we depend more fully and receive Jesus more fully in our lives. John, 14, I mean John 1, 14 to 17, these incredible verses. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I see here two suggestions for us as we begin this new beginning. Number one, that we would gaze upon the glory of Jesus. And number two, let's receive Christ's grace and truth to become full vessels of his grace and truth. When we come to this new beginning, some of us are tempted to just charge out there and start to take the world again and get actively involved. Others of us are tempted to hunker down because we're not quite sure whether we're secure yet in the world. John chapter 1 would say, whatever your leaning is, first, take time to gaze upon Jesus. And second, receive from Jesus his grace and truth so that we will be full vessels of his grace and truth. So first of all, as we begin this new beginning, let's gaze upon Christ's glory. There are so many overwhelmingly powerful words in John 1, 14. The word, the logos, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. The word became flesh, God in human form. The staggering reality of the incarnation. Jesus, the God-man, had a physical heart and muscles and hair and hunger and feelings and limitations. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word for dwelt is the word used that when God was with the Israelites in the wilderness, when God made his presence, he camped out with his people. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, desires to go on a camp out with us for the rest of our lives and eternity. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his 
glory. Glory is the word that we use to express our experience of the presence and essence and awesomeness of God. Glory connotes brightness, splendor, radiance, majesty, magnificence, dignity, grace, and absolute perfection that results in praise and honor and worship. Glimpsing Christ's glory is as awe-inspiring and fear-inducing as it can possibly get for a human being. Whatever is the most powerful experience you've ever had in your life, multiply that by billions upon billions, and you'll start to get an idea of what it's like to glimpse the glory of Christ. It is the glory of the one and only Son of the Father. The word for only in this sentence means radically distinctive without equal, absolutely unique, never to be repeated. It sets apart Jesus not just as a son of God, but the very unique and distinct one and only son of God, second person of the Trinity. But I saved the one word for the end here in verse 14. The word seen, we have seen his glory. The word seen means to gaze admiringly on something or someone with an intentional focus that we don't take our eyes off in a way that deeply shapes us morally and intellectually in an astonishing way. Can we begin our new beginning with a commitment to gaze upon the glory of Jesus. Obviously, stay tuned in this sermon series on the Gospel of John, where we're going to be focusing in and trying to glimpse the glory of Jesus. And of course, open your Bibles for yourselves. Don't just wait for what we're doing on Sundays. Open the scriptures for yourself. And of course, sing um, praise songs and, and worship God um, with your voice. But can you also get way, way, way more creative about seeing the glory of Jesus? So yesterday I took a walk after I finished the sermon and I just looked at all of creation knowing that Christ was the one through whom all of creation was made. And I actually took pictures of 18 wild flowers that were just blooming in the field and it's along that walk. And I, I looked up at the sky and I saw the clouds and I thought, I know the one through whom all of this was made. So get creative. Go for a walk in nature and see the glory of Jesus. Get outside at night, see the stars, see the full moon and give glory to God because the heavens declare his glory. But get even more creative than that. Show up this afternoon at our field day for for us as Cornerstone Church and just see the glory of Jesus in each other. Go to a, a concert or, or a Philharmonic symphony and just remember that Jesus is the one through whom music was created. Go to a, a sports event and marvel at the athleticism and marvel at what it's like when a whole group of people are passionately engaged in paying attention to one thing and remember that it is our Jesus through whom all of this was made. Go to the ocean and see the glory of Jesus as we begin this new beginning. Can we be careful not to rush out and try to accomplish too much too fast?
Can we pause and gaze on Christ's glory, the one and only Son of the Father? Because when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, when we gaze upon Jesus, we become more like him because we see him as he is. And then finally, secondly, gaze upon Jesus. But let's receive Christ's grace and truth to become full vessels of grace and truth. It's in verse 14 and then continued in verses 16 and 17. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one, one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For from his, from Christ's fullness, we have received grace upon grace. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth come from Jesus. Right now, in all of the confusion in the world around us, in all of the crisis in the church and Christian theology, in all of the harshness of our culture, in all of our own brokenness, we need a fullness of grace and truth. We need grace and truth from ourselves to ourselves in our brokenness. We need grace and truth to give to one another. Folks, I think that it's going to take a considerable amount of time to recover from what's gone on in our lives in the last year and a half. And we are all kind of broken and limping. We need more grace to give to one another and receive from one another. And our world, in which there are so many lies and half-truths, in which there is so much canceling and, and destructive rhetoric. Our world needs more of the grace and truth of Jesus. Can we commit? First, let us gaze upon his glory. And second, let us receive the grace and truth of Jesus. And that phrase is kind of awesome. We have all received grace upon grace, which means that Jesus has given us grace and more grace, and more grace, and more grace, and more grace, and more grace. May we be full vessels of his grace and his truth for our world that is so lost and wandering, so much in need of the life of Jesus. So in conclusion, this summer as we begin our new beginning. Let's take time to gaze upon Jesus, to see his glory, and let's take time to receive from him so that we can give others the life of Jesus that we ourselves have received. Will you, as one of Jesus's very own, will you receive him anew? So I'd like to encourage you to draw a line in the sand this Sunday, June 27th, 2021, to recommit to Jesus for the new beginning that is coming next. And I'd like to leave you today 
with a prayer and a blessing. And if you know me, you know that this is one of my favorite blessings of all of scripture. It's from Ephesians chapter three. And I offer it to you for the new beginning that we have before us individually and as a church. Paul's prayer and then the blessing. The apostle Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. Brothers and sisters, that's not a prayer for someone else. That is a prayer for you right now in your life in what you are facing right now. And then Paul ends with this blessing. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen.